Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Thursday, June 4th. My name, of course, is Javier Reyes, your host of this year's Lockdown Padres Podcast. Check and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno, which is spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And if you feel so inclined, hit me up on there as well as the Gmail, which is LockdownPadres at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or concerns you might have, and I'll do my very best to answer them right here on the show. Today's episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. Remember to go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. And today's episode is a good one, guys. We're taking the time machine back to a specific year. What is it? Let's see here. Uh, 1996 to talk about the Padres and everything just that was going on in 96 is a fun thing that we've been doing at the network and whatnot. Really excited to that. But first, I had I, I just had to do this. And what I had to do is I had to just start off the episode by saying, um, you know, it's hard. Uh, the current uh, period we're in. It is not easy to talk about what's going on in this country it's not it's just that's just factually correct it's not it makes you uncomfortable and even for myself who I've always cared about these type of things I've always paid attention to these type of things it's still I have to admit part of me is like man I I wish I could just you know turn my mind off go play video games go play overwatch get excited for when the last of us part two drops but I can't do that so really what I want to say is I hope everybody is paying attention right now. I hope everyone is doing their part. And I hope everyone is realizing that this is a moment, I believe, in history. I believe this is a time where people are really saying they've had enough. And I think this is a time when people are making their voices heard. And, you know, some people are saying, oh, wow, you know, people talk to you. And they've probably told you, like, wow, crazy what's going on, right? I think it's awesome what's going on in the long run. I think that it's great that people are speaking up. In the description of the podcast, I'm going to have a couple of links to Black Lives Matter, to the ACLU, to different bail funds for protesters, to Campaign Zero, which is an initiative to kind of um, a suggestion, a plan to reduce police brutality and violence committed by the police departments by 72%. It's an interesting plan. I was looking into it. I really appreciated it. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. I, in a way... Couldn't give a crap about baseball right now. I don't give a crap about the NBA coming back. I don't really care about that either. I'm excited for The Last of Us Part Two next week, like I mentioned before. But in the long run, I don't really care about those things right now. It's been hard for me to focus. It's been hard for me to just sit down here and record this and just get on with the episode. I know some people might want me right now to get on with the episode, and I will in just a minute. But, you know, it's not like I have the greatest platform in the world. But hey, I know some of you listen to this podcast. I know some of you people enjoy this podcast. If by doing this, I know just one person is going to step up or step up more, if you haven't already, if they're going to donate just a dollar, if they're going to retweet things, if they're going to just pay attention, then I know that it's worth it. History is made by those who show up. So let's show up. But on that note, guys, it's time for the real crux of the episode. It's time to cheer you guys up just a little bit, hopefully for the next few minutes, or maybe 20 or so minutes, however long this ends up being, because I never know. I'm not great at organizing the podcast and whatnot, guys. I'm going to be entertaining you and talking about the 1996 San Diego Padres. Now, why did I choose that? Well, hmm, it's because I was born that year, right? And they say, everyone, that nostalgia is a, is a, is a powerful thing, a beautiful thing. 
Well, I think it's also a dangerous thing, too, because sometimes we get lost when we start talking about the good old days and we only think about those great moments, right? But we're going to do that anyway. We're going back in time. So everyone strap yourselves in. Let's go on a ride to 1996, the year your boy was born. Starting off, what I wanted to talk to you guys about is just where the world was at in terms of pop culture and entertainment. Billboard charts, in terms of the Billboard charts, you know what the number one song was? It might surprise you. Oh, no, wait, it won't. It was Macarena by Los Del Rio. Man, that song, to this day, is just a, the bait of my existence. The amount of times, you know, I'm a Hispanic Puerto Rican individual. The amount of times I've been at gatherings, I have a lot of, you know, Hispanic Latino people, and this song came on, it just drove me insane. I never really liked it, uh, but it was, you know, it was the number one Billboard <laughs> song of the year. It's kind of insane to think about that. One Sweet Day by Mariah Carey and Boyz II Men was the second, Because You Love Me by Celine Dion. Nobody Knows, The Tony Rich Project, Always Be My Baby by Mariah Carey. Just all, all these songs, um, What's it called? Gangsta's Paradise was in the top 100 here uh, at 33, uh, which is just one of the great, uh, I don't know, melodies ever that I've heard in like a hip hop song, honestly. And I know it's been done to death in terms of making music videos or renditions on it and covers of it. I know people use it a lot, but it's it's a classic. So many good songs and stuff. And I don't really care about music that much to be perfectly honest with you but I just felt like capturing the mood I wonder you know what it was like listening to Macarena for the first time I always like thinking about like what was it like when certain songs came out for the first time where do you remember listening to them you know and I feel like it's even more fun when you talk about artists like Los Del Rio for Macarena how it's not like they became a big super artist that we talk about all this time. Very much kind of a one-hit type of artist, you know. That's what's interesting for me. And I feel like for me in my lifetime, uh, Fetty Wap, when he was a big thing back when I graduated high school, that was kind of like my, that's one that I'm going to remember as a guy, that that was a moment. You know, that was a moment. That was a great moment. I love that album. Won't you come my way? It was just, it was great. <laughs> and he never really kind of captured that same thing again. You know, it was kind of like this one period time thing. But I love, I love, you know, thinking about that stuff. Um, in terms of movies, which is far more interesting, ladies and gentlemen, let's just say this, this year I was born had a lot of things I very much enjoyed. Of course, you've got some prestige things like The English Patient and what have you, but you've got some other interesting ones in, indeed. We've been talking about this one a lot on the Sports Movie Madness Bracket. There was Happy Gilmore. That was great, and I didn't even know that I was going to like it until I saw it just about a month ago. It turned out great. You know, Romeo plus Juliet came out this year. Um, that Thing You Do comes out this year, Swingers comes out this year, Scream comes out this year, and to talk about the ones that I love so much, I talked about Sports Movie Madness, Jerry Maguire comes out this year, and Mission Impossible, Cruise! It was the year of Cruise, and it was also the year that one of my like five favorite movies, my favorite blockbuster movie of all time, Probably. I'd say it's still to this day. Independence Day came out this year, which is honestly, aside from it being my birthday year, just being able to mention Independence Day, like maybe 25% of why I chose this year for the podcast to do a time machine on. And it was also the highest grossing movie of that year. 
along with Twister was up there, Mission Impossible, The Rock, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, 101 Dalmatians, Ransom, The Nutty Professor, Jerry Maguire, and Eraser. Those are kind of like the top 10. Um, but let's move on to some other things. This is an extremely, when it comes to pop culture, it's definitely something maybe only I'm interested in, uh, comparatively speaking to other people, but in the video game world, the Nintendo 64 launches this year, and Pokemon is first introduced to the world. Global Phenomenons, of course. Other notable titles like Super Mario 64, Mario Kart 64, Super Mario RPG gets released this year, which is a game that, for the longest time growing up, when people would talk about it, I thought it was some Flash game that was not actually a real game, and it was made on, like, Newgrounds. That's a deep, deep reference if anybody knows about Newgrounds, but I actually thought that wasn't, like, a real game. Other things like Quake comes out this year, Tomb Raider comes out this year, which is a big cultural moment, too, uh, just with female protagonists in video games, for sure. She was a big icon in that her own respect. The first Resident Evil comes out this year, and Crash Bandicoot releases this year on the PlayStation. Uh, so definitely a big PlayStation year, even though it was Nintendo that kind of launched the 64. Definitely a big PlayStation year. And Crash Bandicoot, for those who don't know, I, pe- I think people are aware of Crash Bandicoot, but I don't think people realize that year when that character comes out, he was kind of this counterculture guy, the talk smack kind of guy compared to Mario uh, of Nintendo. He was the most recognizable character in the United States for a period of time. You could look that up. It's something along those lines, but he was one of the most recognized, like, kind of fictional characters at that time. Like, everybody knew who Crash Bandicoot was. He was a nuclear level, like, not a one-hit wonder, but in terms of that that peak, oh, man, he was super, super famous. So, shout out to Crash Bandicoot, and shout out to the insane trilogy that got rebooted. Uh, I remember when E3, that uh, 2015, that they revealed Crash Bandicoot was coming out. Insane moments. Aside from pop culture stuff, though, some other events. The election of Bill Clinton happens this year after he defeats former Senate Majority Leader Rob Dole. Fox News Channel makes its debut, and MSNBC launches. The MLS Soccer League also makes its U.S. debut, and the last time the Summer Olympic, the Summer, the Summer, the Summer Olympics were held in the U.S. was this year. They were held in Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, and also just a nice little thing: Princess Charles and Princess Diana divorced. I know, celebrity kind of gossip stuff for the United Kingdom, but of course everyone kind of is more, fi- people know who Princess Diana is because of the tragedy that happens and whatnot. So really just a lot of things happened this year, guys. Really, there's just a lot of things. I'm not even, you know, I was even touching on some of the, the, the disasters that happened this year. There's so much other stuff that really happened this year, but um, just from a lot of perspectives, I know I chose it for just because it was my birth year, but seriously, a lot of good stuff. And most importantly, above all else, 1996, believe it or not, believe it or not, it was a good year for the Padres. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, I want to take a, just a quick second break to talk to you guys about Built Bar. That's right, Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. And you know why? Because me, you know, I wake up sometimes. Maybe I have to, my mom is forcing me to eat vegetables, right? She's forcing me to eat healthy or whatever. And you know, every time I take a bite into that healthy food, most of the time it's like carrots that I don't like so much or uh, uh, asparagus or green beans. Those aren't necessarily my favorite. I think to myself like, man, imagine if vegetables just tasted good. Well, imagine if just eating anything healthy tasted good. You know, in the traditional sense. I know you can get used to it and whatnot, but uh, that's what dorks say, all right, guys? You know, it's... um 
that's kind of the the thing that happens with with uh, Built Bar. You know, they're super tasty. They taste like candy bars. I had I, I can't even remember at this point. It's been a while since I've had one, but I really miss them. And I might order another package. Actually, I might do that like right now if it weren't for uh, my personal financial things and whatnot. There's just so many things going on. Uh, I would order another package right now. They've got eight chocolate nut flavors and eight chocolate nut free flavors, covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. They are great for the health conscious sort of guy or gal or whatever. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in the treat. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. Just to give you a profile of one of the bars, the peanut butter brownie profile, it's got 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, and 3 grams net carbs. So guys, I'm telling you, if you like eating healthy, and if you like candy, and you like candy, that's all I need to say, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your first order. Remember, that is promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. And now with that, that little message out of the way, guys, let's talk about these dang Padres. I know, crazy, right? We're doing the Lockdown Padres podcast, and it's like 18 minutes before I finally talk about the team. Well, oh well, you know? And I also forgot to mention that Star Trek First Contact came out uh, in 1996. I had to mention that because I love, 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 love that movie. It's awesome. Awesome. And I love the little, like kind of little uh, exposition in and under the surface about where the world is at that time. So shout out to Star Trek. Great stuff. Really, in a lot of ways, just objectively kind of better than Star Wars, if we're being honest. Not as famous and not as blockbustery and traditionally kind of uh, flawless, maybe, as the original Star Wars movies, but it's just got more to say. So shout out to Star Trek. But enough of that. I'm sorry. But you know what, guys? I want to talk about now. I want to talk about the team. And it's funny because you guys definitely get on me a little bit for being a newer Padres fan. And I get it. I get it. It's well-deserved to an extent. And I'm kind of learning about them. And what I learned here is that 1996 season is kind of the beginning of the, the a slew of teams, a slew of years, where the Padres were contenders. Right? They were contenders for the title. They were contenders for the playoffs for sure. And they had a lot of great moments. You know, This is the first... Um, division title they've won, they'd win in years in 1996 and it was also the second playoff appearance in franchise history and what's great is that actually when they clinched the NL West you just love that moment when you clinch the division you get that save by future Hall of Famer Trevor Hoffman who isn't the only future Hall of Famer on this team and you get Trevor Hoffman closing it out against the Dodgers that's it Curtis strikes out and the San Diego Padres are the champs of the NL West The final score, San Diego 2 and Los Angeles nothing in 11 as they win the West and take on St. Louis. L.A. gets Atlanta. You know, I see that clip and I'm saying, man, this was a good season. And it really was. Just looking at the roster, right? You know, the main, main lineup, catcher John Flaherty, Wally Joyner's playing first base, Jody Reed at second, shortstop Chris Gomez. And this is where it gets... Uh, into the really cool stuff. Ken Caminetti, Ricky Henderson, Steve Finley, and Tony Gwynn, uh, respectively. I forgot to mention their positions. Caminetti played third base. Left field went to Ricky Henderson. Steve Finley played center field. And Tony Gwynn in right field, of course. Um, really, just th- those four guys were awesome. And actually, you know, some underrated players in John Flaherty and Wally Joyner that year. OPS of over 7, 780 for 
for uh, Wally Joyner and then 778 by John Flaherty. They were just solid on base kind of batting average guys, you know, and stats that really transition well. I remember when I was talking about the 84 Padres that, you know, some of their best offensive players, with the exception of Tony Gwynn, their stats don't necessarily age super well. You don't feel like you can plug them into today's game because of the extremely low on base kind of things. High average, but really low on base type of guys. But in this case, Wally Joyner, 377. Tony Gwynn, 400. I mean, shocker there, right? 354 from Steve Finley. Ricky Henderson with a 410. And, of course, Ken Caminetti, who has an on-base of 408. He has an OPS of over 1,000. And here's what happens, guys. You know what happens? He wins the NL MVP that year. He was awesome. He bats 326 with... 40 homers, 130 RBIs. The guy was just absolutely cleaning up this year, and he was great. And it's funny to think about how, you know, it's funny to think about just, I don't know, Padres teams where the MVP best player wasn't Tony Gwynn, right? And that's kind of the case here. Tony Gwynn was probably the second best player on this team, at least offensively, but Steve Finley also has a really great season. And I was reading an article, actually, from the the Friar Faithful Chronicle that I, I might link in the description, actually, um, by Rafi Cantor. And one, one thing about the article has a Safdie Brothers reference uh, for the movie Good Time, which I really appreciated it. And it's about Steve Finley and kind of talking about that season. And it's funny, interestingly, despite eventually finishing 10th in MVP voting and winning a gold glove, uh, he actually wasn't named an All-Star that year. He did, however, make the All-Star team the next year, despite kind of it being an inferior uh, season to his 1996 season. But I always find that interesting. I always find it interesting when guys, um, you know, are borderline MVP candidates and they win gold gloves or maybe silver sluggers, but they didn't make the All-Star team. So I just think that that's interesting how that happens. And I I looked into it, and this isn't, it's not like Steve Finley didn't make the All Star team because a lot of his production came later on in the season. It's like, no, aside from his really, really atrociously bad start in April and March, where he batted 218 on base of 298, slugging of 291 and only one homer, he was pretty great pretty much the entire year. He ended up finishing with 30 home runs, beating his career high of 10 at the time, which is really just an amazing thing. So Caminetti and Tony Gwynn and Ricky Henderson are probably like these guys you you first think of. But Steve Finley was great that year too. And I he's the one guy on this team that I had really no idea about how good he was that year. And he, you know, has some up and down years. He's not a one-hit wonder guy, but definitely in terms of um being like that all-star caliber player. He was this is definitely one of his best seasons. And in the pitching department, of course, you've got Trevor Hoffman in the bullpen, future Hall of Famer. He finishes with a 2.25 ERA, 42 saves on the season. And in terms of the starting rotation, the main guys, Joey Ham- Hamilton, Bob Tewksbury, Fernando Val- Valenzuela, and Andy Ashby. Not names that are necessarily household names, Joey Hamilton probably being the one of the main guys, despite not having the the lowest ERA of the bunch, that actually goes to um, Valenzuela. And I hadn't really heard of these guys either. And it's kind of interesting to just look back at these guys and see maybe this is one of the reasons they end up not winning, winning at all. You know, despite uh, some solid pitching and of course Hoffman being the Hall of Famer that he is. They don't. I feel like they didn't have that number one superstar ace per se, of that time. Maybe that's what held them back. But, you know, um, it's actually interesting to see that. You know, 
as just kind of like a missing piece. Just that's just kind of the breakdown of some players on the team. And I'm for more. It's funny when I start talking about players that aren't from the '80s, you know, that I recognize a little bit more of them. Like I'd heard of some of them a little bit more. And there were some other underrated guys, like Greg Vaughn was on this team. He was pretty decent. Um, acquired in a trade, um, so he didn't play as quite as many games for them, but he was still a solid kind of backup guy um, for them. But some other interesting things that happened this year, I mentioned that Ricky Henderson is on the team. Uh, that was kind of like a big sign that happens in December for the team. And while when you look at it, you're like, wow, this team had Trevor Hoffman, Tony Gwynn, and Ricky Henderson on it. Like, that's a great, great, like, three-pronged, uh, you know, trident of, of greatness on the team. But this was actually kind of a, a post-prime Ricky Henderson. It was his age 37 season. And why by no means was he bad, he was just good. You know, finishes with an OPS of 7.54. The on base is what's key. He has a 4.10 on base, but his steals is kind of a little bit gone. He only steals 37 bases that year. Gets caught 15 times, so he's not great in that department. But he is able to get on base and still produce a lot of runs. He ends up finishing with 110, which is actually second on the team with the very underrated season here from uh, Steve Finley, who finishes with 126. You know, he still was a solid player, but I don't think he was the Ricky Henderson you might be thinking of um, in terms of the Hall of Fame Ricky Henderson. This is kind of one of the, just looking at the numbers, kind of one of the first seasons where it was post-prime, like very obviously post-prime Ricky Henderson, especially when it comes to kind of the, the batting average. You know, he, the, just the year before in Oakland, he batted 300 with a 407 on base, you know, much, much better. And, you know, while his speed, of course, was declining, uh, still getting caught 15 times trying to steal 37 bases, not the best, you know what I mean? So it wasn't the greatest in the world, but still, he was solid, and, you know, it's just, I, I forgot. I honestly forgot that Ricky Henderson played on the Padres. I for, Sometimes I forget that he played on the Yankees, for being perfectly honest, even then, because I don't know what it is. I just always attach him to being with the Oakland Athletics, which is kind of, you know, what he's more famous with, obviously, but I just forget sometimes, right? And some other highlights, um, like I said, the stats translate really well. Um, Ken Caminetti, like I said, ends up winning the NL MVP. And according to Fangraphs, which I was reading in that Friar um, Faithful Chronicle article, it's one of the best war performances in franchise history, this 96 Ken Caminetti season. Um, so that's really awesome. And some other notable things, um, I was looking up just some some, some, some videos. Uh, Steve Finley's walk-off against the Diamondbacks, who were managed by Buck Showalter at the time. It's just a great moment, and honestly... Just any walk-off Grand Slam deserves a shout-out. One out away from winning. High fly ball, way back right field, and the Padres have won. Finley reaches out over the plate and hooks it. He knows it's gone immediately. A lot of power in that small frame of Steve Finley. Really just kind of awesome moments. Um, there was also another piece uh, by Bob Nightingale, an article in the LA Times I recommend people checking out that I'll link in, link in the description. Uh, just talking about that moment that they clinched. You beat the rival Dodgers. What that was like. Getting quotes from Gwen. Getting quotes from everybody. And so it's just a good team, man. And while I didn't live during that time, like I said, I was just being born <laughs> in 1996. And I certainly hadn't cared about Tony Gwynn when I was, you know, four years old or what have you. I barely even knew what baseball was yet. Um, I'm probably playing on my Game Boy Advance at that time, um, to be perfectly honest with you. But it's really a good team and kind of an underrated team. And like I said, it begins a slew of playoff appearances for the team. A kind of like 
just contending seasons for the Padres, which says a lot for the Padres. This isn't other teams. Just being in contention generally is kind of a uh, an accomplishment within and of itself, right? Um, but unfortunately, that isn't the only trend that this season kind of begins, right? They end up making the playoffs, but they lose the NL Division Series 3-0 to the Cardinals, which, like I said, unfortunately begins this thing where the Padres... It's they're completely dominated by the Cardinals in the playoffs. They only have one win against them in the playoffs, I believe, in franchise history. So just a total a, a sad thing. You know what I mean? This isn't, you know, talking about this team, it's fun. And just researching on it is fun and whatnot. And it's it's thanks because there were some people on this team. They're managed by Bruce Bochy, who, of course, ends up going on to win with the Giants, a division rival, right? Later on, ends up um, managing the Giants. I think they get their first World Series title in 2010. So shout out to them. But yeah, this season and this year, just a lot of cool stuff. Yes, they end up losing to the Cardinals, and it begins a downward spiral from there. But it's kind of beginning of greatness, Trevor Hoffman in 96. And I forgot to mention another notable thing that happens is this was the first... 1996 brought the first time that Major League Baseball played a game in Mexico. And it involved the Padres. It was against the Mets. They end up winning the game in kind of a a landslide 15-0 victory. Uh, But yeah, that's just kind of an amazing moment that happens there in a three-game series. Um, First game, it involves the Padres. See what I'm saying, guys? This is what's fun about going back in years in retrospect. Yeah, there's some bad things, and there's there's just not great things happening all the time, and yes, they get killed by the Cardinals, and yes, and this and that, and blah, 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 blah. But there's always some good, and I really just, I wish that I kind of knew more about this team beforehand. I wish that it didn't take me until going back in time to kind of figure out how great the 1996 Padres were, how they're kind of that that other team that's revered so greatly aside from the 84 team, which I talked about before, um, that they were really up there. And while they didn't necessarily have that number one ace kind of all-star Hall of Famer, they have Trevor Hoffman, they do have a fun Ricky Henderson season, Ken Caminiti, Steve Finley, and of course, RIP Tony Gwynn. Really cool stuff, guys. And that's it. That's really all I wanted to talk about. Just kind of a, a just my first experience of experience this 1996 season. Maybe you guys giving you some nostalgia. Although I did say at the very beginning, yes, nostalgia is a powerful, although very dangerous force every now and then. It's still fun to give into it every now and then. With all that said, I hope you guys enjoyed this this time machine moment. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast as a whole. A little bit of a lengthy one. Just I hope that everyone is staying safe and I hope everyone is is lit as always. And I hope you guys enjoy this. We're probably going to be covering the 1969 team in another Time Machine episode that I hope to get out this weekend, either Saturday or Sunday. Don't know which day, but you guys can look forward to that. Um, and also, uh, Sports Movie Madness, we got Part 7 coming out tomorrow. The Sweet 16 Really, really, really fun episode. I highly recommend you guys listening to it. Just some great stuff in there. Um, But with all that being said, that's it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow the show or myself on Twitter. And also, if you guys would do me a favor and tell your smart devices to play Lockdown MLB, it is hosted by my man, Sully. He actually just did an episode today about sports movies and what have you, and I'm going to listen to that. Haven't listened to it yet. Really looking forward to it. Uh, Gotta love Sully's podcast. He's killing it. Seriously, guys, he's killing it. Ricky Henderson pod that he did. Speaking of Ricky Henderson on this episode, go check that out. It was great. Just great stuff. I agree. We should have a Ricky Henderson documentary. Uh, But until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care and make your voices heard.